0: that is the gift of what we're talking about when you embrace the fullness of the gospel he gets you coming and going there's no escape <laughs> there's no escape from his love it's 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 the best news ever yeah it's the best news ever
1: Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dematte, and I'm joined here in the illustrious Damascus studio yes. with my good friend, Brad Pierron. Up, hey, brother? hey. And Aaron Richards. Hi, give you a fist bump this time. Yes, what right. a pleasure to be here, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, are you proud of my use of the word illustrious? It, it happens infrequently, but <laughs> when it does, it's spectacular. Yes. I did it all for you. You can feel his elation <laughs> on this side of the table. If you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where encounter meets mission. Mm-hmm. Our desire is to talk about those powerful Damascus moments, those life-changing encounter moments where you encounter the living God Mm -hmm. and your life is transformed because of that. But not just the Damascus moment. We're really interested in the conversation of what happens beyond Damascus. That that encounter with Jesus should lead to a life Mm -hmm. on mission. And our desire is to restore the missional heart of the church, to see the church as missionary again, that her essential uh, her essential essence or the essence of the church, the church exists in order to evangelize, which is pretty awesome. Um, so it's going to be great. Uh, if, if, if you got a good I think I'm following say, where yeah. you're going. You can just yeah, I was, <laughs> a drink. I was, I was <laughs> speaking yeah. in tongues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a little too much coffee. But this is episode two. And so we did our last podcast was on the prosperity gospel? And what's the difference between the prosperity gospel and the good news of the gospel? And why Mm -hmm. is the prosperity gospel a false gospel? um, And what are the actual benefits and blessings of the the full gospel message? And how do we convey the gospel without falling into the trap of the prosperity gospel? But also how do we convey the fullness of the gospel without falling into the trap of not actually sharing the good news that Jesus Christ came to give to us? And the last conversation was awesome. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Uh, I thought it brought a lot of different things out. What what were you guys excited about with the last conversation?
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was probably um, just the, the idea that our relationship with Jesus isn't transactional, but transformational. The idea that it's it's not in giving X amount of dollars, like you were saying, Dan, or like X amount of hours, as you were also saying, that we in turn get some temporal blessing, but it's actually... The, the question of the Christian life is to what degree have I given my entire self to the Lord? Yep. That's the only X is X percentage of me has been given over to the Lord. Because when I give everything over to him, that's when I can be sure that I'm in his will and that I'm living out the life that he's calling me to. And that will come with a variety of blessings, which we're going to talk about a little bit in this episode. But our relationship, and, and again, we focused on relationship a lot last episode, but our relationship with Jesus is primarily transformational.
2: I enjoy just having these conversations. I mean, uh, so many times we we are afraid to engage in meaningful conflict because we're afraid to actually summarize what it is that we believe Mm -hmm. and, and be willing to look someone in the eye and say like, this is why I disagree with you. So uh, it's, it's funny here at Damascus. I've sort of over the course of time, been the one to have many of these critical conversations about, Mm -hmm. Hey, why does Damascus teach this? Or why does Damascus say that? And inevitably it always boils down to like hey if if we realize we're on the same team here mm-hmm. like we can we can cross a lot of this ground a lot quick like a lot quicker yeah.
1: yeah yeah i think it was so good too how we just kind of we we dove into what is the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. what is the full gospel message and how do we convey the gospel in the boundaries of the church's magisterium right and that Brad you brought up this cool part that like we have to, if it's a, a ball field, right? We have to stay mm-hmm. in the boundaries, and the magisterium gives us wisdom and guidance on what what is truth. Um, but that if we if we avoid the sidelines, and if yeah. we don't kind of really sh- like work on mm-hmm. pressing in with these difficult mm-hmm. questions and, and these the difficult conversations, yeah. and use the whole field. We we're not going to have a great game, and we're not going to advance the ball forward, and mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, yeah, as you're saying, Aaron. This is a tough conversation, but it's an important conversation. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're afraid, especially publicly, of having tough conversations because we're afraid of criticism, and mm. we can't be afraid of criticism. We we have to wrestle with these concepts and engage, and we can't be afraid. Uh, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah, which is right. both, remember what, the, craziest the craziest phrase, phrase ever. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, how do we
0: keep coming to that? that? I think we
2: may have mentioned that a couple of shows
1: ago. <laughs> I think we did the, too.
2: Uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack is identifying. Yes, that joke did in fact
1: happen. <laughs> Our producer's like, I've heard that joke so many times because I had to re-listen to your podcast. Uh, I don't, I don't know what was I going to say? I don't remember. It was I, a good point. I had though, a really Aaron. good point. I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so here's here's the prosperity gospel. If you if you didn't catch the first episode, you'd be uh, remiss to miss the first episode. Yeah, so go, go back, back and to listen it. to it. But it's essentially. the the problem with the prosperity gospel is to say that if you do this, then you'll receive this. So if Mm -hmm. you have faith in Jesus and you give evidence of your faith with Jesus by giving time or by giving treasure, then Jesus will benefit you Mm -hmm. by giving you wealth and health and Mm -hmm. he'll benefit your family with wealth and health. And it's almost a wealth and health gospel that Mm -hmm. wealth and health are the end versus Jesus relationship with Jesus as the end. Mm -hmm. And It's as you were saying, Brad. Transactional, and you know, a lot of times the way I kind of, if I'm going to question a preacher, one of the signs I would say that maybe the prosperity gospel is being preached and we should be alarmed uh, is by the lifestyle of the preacher themselves. And there's something Father Thomas DeBay in a book he he wrote called uh, "Happy Are You Poor." He talks about these two principles um, that the the gospel demands of us. Uh, One principle is that when we live a life of simplicity, detached from material things, we give apostolic credibility, right? That, um, that when I, I, I am clothed with gold and treasure and material possessions, I actually lack apostolic credibility. He also talks about that if we truly believe that we're living not of this world, but for the world to come— we, we rob our pilgrim witness by living for the material pleasures of this world. And I think one of the things, you know, I remember as a kid just watching like TBN, uh, which was like the uh, where a lot of times, you know, the this idea of like, oh, give this money yeah. and all with the, the televangelist. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would always be like my favorite. channel (laughs) Um, your favorite channel (laughs) of all of the channels that's your favorite but even as a kid i would (laughs) i would would, i'd be like it doesn't make sense you're all dressed in to the nines and you're decked Mm -hmm. out and you're in all this like all these riches like how like where's your credibility that you're living for this simple poor man to name Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, there's something about living a life of simplicity that gives apostolic credibility or shows a pilgrim witness. What but do you guys and, think and, and about you, that? You've witnessed here
2: on the show even of, of many times where we've come into contact in relationship through our work here at Damascus with individuals who truly have access, you know, they're, they're kings of the world uh, yeah. that, are, that are exercising, you know, the, the, our, our call toward dominion. Uh, who have who are running uh, successful businesses and yeah. who, who are worth millions or billions of dollars, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the, the the difference is that you can you can. It's evident through through conversation and through witness when someone's priority and goal is set on Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And that that's communicated not just by the the way that you hold yourself, right? But it's communicated in the way that you. Uh, it's communicated in the way that you witness, mm-hmm. right? In the way that in the way that you uh, utilize those resources as a tool, mm-hmm. um, and not as an end. So I, I don't think it's fair to judge necessarily based on somebody's look or somebody's yeah. style or somebody's clothes or their car, but it's typically evident, I think, in in the way that you see somebody acting. And w- the the trouble is, oftentimes we're not close enough to the televangelists to know. Um. So there is there is in. I think the same could be said even in our, in our church, you know, uh, I forget who it was, but Mm -hmm. in, in recent years, I mean, you see the, you see the stark difference even between Pope Paul VI and Pope Francis in the way that they present themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This has often been a criticism that's been levied against, against our own church.
1: Yeah.
2: And you, you, you have to look a little bit deeper, but at the same time, there's, there's a responsibility of, on behalf of the minister of the gospel, to make sure that I'm communicating clearly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before it, the episode, well, we were bantering back and forth on ideas. We were talking about, um, you know, you have the, the prosperity gospel on the one yeah. hand, which is what the phrase has been coined, right? Yeah. And then sometimes people use the phrase, the poverty gospel as the opposite end of the spectrum where God wants us to live this life of destitution mm-hmm. and that no mm-hmm. good will happen to us because we're just called to suffering versus, and like somewhere in the middle, you have the Catholic tradition, which would be embracing the virtue of gospel poverty, where mm-hmm. it's a-, a virtue that um, is freely renouncing the things of this world or living a simple lifestyle for mm-hmm. the sake of the kingdom. So that the resources that God has given you are used for the disposal and the building up of the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah. Well, I would also say like, we have to begin contextualizing the different instances that we see even in Jesus's life with things like this, right? Like he, he honors the widow's might and he also honors Mary of Bethany's spilling of oil that everyone was like, that should have been sold and given to the poor. Yeah. and, and But that, that same arguments made today for people that sometimes are ministers that, that uh, live in a way that has nicer things. But that was clearly rebuked by Jesus because she was using the resource on him. Mm-hmm. Right. So the principle here is actually detachment. So a lot of times we, we take a principle and we forget the definition. The fundamental definition of gospel poverty is detachment to anything God gives me because it's not mine. It's from him. And therefore, like, like the good question on if you had that oil is if Jesus asked you to break the jar, would you? That's the test of detachment
2: mm-hmm.
0: because you might really like the oil and it might serve you really well and might smell really great for your guests. Yep. The examination of conscience we have to go through is, would I break it? The examination of conscience the televangelist has to say is, if I was asked to give up this suit and to serve the poor, would I? Now, some, as evidenced by other failings in their life, would probably say no to that. And I do think that that sometimes gives an inauthenticity to what we give to anyone who preaches in that way. I don't think that's necessarily fair, but you can kind of see sometimes those those seeds of inauthenticity are sown. And then all of a sudden we start thinking anyone that's presenting in a certain way has this disposition. But again, I think the question has to be how detached are you to any gift that God's given? Because that's the call.
1: And it's not, uh, so I would challenge one step further that it's not, well, and this isn't my words. This is Father Thomas DeBay, who I quoted earlier. It's, he would say it's not mere detachment, but it's, it's an apostolic witness of living a simple lifestyle uh, of, uh, for the sake of the kingdom. So that, that, because mere detachment, well, I could say, well, I'm detached, but I'm also, uh, I'm detached from these things. But I liked what you were, but I'm also just living in a comfort kingdom, yeah, right? sure, sure. But I like what you were saying, that it's, that detachment is unto Jesus. That it's, Of course. It, and that's where, like, okay, so why can we justify a grand cathedral? Because it's unto Jesus, right? But, I, I mean, as a minister of the gospel, I want to look as much like Jesus as possible. And Jesus was a simple man.
0: Well, there- there there might be semantic difference here, so just tell me if that's the case. But but just uh, cause I, I I love Thomas Dubay, Fire Within is one of my favorite books um that I've read in my converted life. It's it's amazing on Teresa of Avila and John of the
1: Cross. But what's your favorite book that you read in your unconverted life? Um probably <laughs> Brad didn't read that. <laughs> Brad <Brent> didn't read <laughs> that.
2: No, it probably would be if Bruce I, bumps. No,
1: it was... <laughs> yes. Every middle school um, boy. Probably, so trying to answer 90s. the question i can't think it would probably
0: be something by plato i still like philosophy oh, okay. so it go. was like anyway um maybe the republic it doesn't matter but uh, back to the the point i was trying to make is that uh, the, the idea of the the simple life like i i just want to make sure that we don't take that argument too far because then you could say instead of that cathedral you should just have mass in a cave yeah because that's simpler And that, that, that just gets away from the point of the whole matter, I think.
1: Well, and this is the beauty. And we talked about this in the first episode. There's tension, there's (laughs) tension. (laughs) And so whenever we're trying to say absolutes, it becomes really hard because there is tension, especially when it comes to how does the Christian, um, use a proper disposition towards finances, which would be a really fun episode. We should write that down, Jack, take note. Um, (laughs) but, uh, And and the the tension that got us into this conversation about the prosperity gospel uh, in the first place was that that comment that came from one of the religious sisters that visited Damascus. She she came up to me after I had preached a hard message about self-sacrifice and giving our all to Jesus Christ, no matter what the consequences. And she said, Dan, you know, I I came to Damascus because I had heard people saying, well, she had Mm -hmm. probably heard one person say that. Damascus was preaching a prosperity gospel. And she's like, I don't believe that because there's a lot mm-hmm. of fruit coming forth from the ministry. So I want to see it for myself. And she came and she's like, that was anything but the prosperity gospel because it was such the harshest a harsh message. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> usually preach pretty harsh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. messages. You <laughs> and, should uh, die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My last message to my youth group. Uh, yeah. So I'd been at St. Patrick's for like seven years. I was leaving that parish to, to do ministry elsewhere. And my The title of my last message to them was, I hope you die. <laughs> that was the talk topic. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, but uh, because you, I need to, you need to, to bring self. that back. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, she's like, this was anything but the prosperity gospel. And Aaron, you, you struck the question, well, why is it that people think we're preaching the prosperity gospel here? Like, yeah. uh, And I told her, I was like, I laughed because I said, well, it's so funny because people... They can't even hear the good news of the gospel any, anymore because yeah. we've bought into such a darkened mindset that God wants bad things for us or he just wants us to suffer mm-hmm. that when we hear the good news of the gospel, we, we, we think it's a false news, a, a false gospel. And we're so afraid of the prosperity gospel that we're like, no, 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 anything good all of a sudden has to be a false doctrine.
2: The, the two areas that I've seen, I guess, most called into question here at Damascus have been... Uh, both surrounding kind, of kind of our expectation that when we pray that God responds, right? So the the first I think the the first most common is this this idea that I can actually hear God's voice in prayer and that I can be in in intimate relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the question would be like, hey, when when we suggest that you can be close to God and that you can hear Him and feel Him and encounter Him and hear His voice, uh, are you know? Are we discounting then mm-hmm. all of the work of the mystics that would suggest that like it's good and proper that a Christian would exist in a Dark Night of the Soul or mm-hmm. um, experience desolation? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's usually the first one, and then the second one is is of the same vein, just from an, a kind of an evangelistic perspective that that uh, we have we've fallen into and embraced. Certainly, the church's teaching and Jesus's. Jesus's call himself to, to pray that the sick would be healed, to heal the sick. And, uh, you know, it's, it's part of our missionary mindsets now that the first, when faced with adversity, first pray, pray in faith, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, the, the question, it, it's the question of the ages. It's constantly raised. Well, you know, if, if I pray in faith and nothing happens, right? Does that mean that my faith is called into question or, if I pray in faith and something does happen, does that mean that I'm discounting the church's great richness of uh, redemptive suffering? Mm-hmm. So those are mm-hmm. usually the two areas yeah. that I hear um, that
1: that criticism's been identified toward at least what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and perhaps it's it is that because we're talking about Jesus is healer yeah. and that Jesus desires to heal that that sounds it could sound like whoa whoa. It, I I've seen a false presentation of the gospel that talks about healing, right? And so it's almost like an a a, a fear that I don't want to fall yeah. prey to a false doctrine. Yep. And, but in fear of not falling prey to a false doctrine, sometimes we close the door <laughs> to the true and all the gospel Yeah, message. to the gospel itself and
2: the and mm-hmm. the specifically articulated words of Jesus yeah which is mm-hmm. which is a difficult pill to swallow
1: yeah yeah well i mean even false prophets though so you don't want to always say the like because even false prophets will use the words of Jesus and yeah. twist them for their false narrative and, it's it's a little different in the commissions the commissioning's yeah. right so mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Well, no, but I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. But And that's why, you know, as we were sharing it, it's, it's the full gospel proclamation, yeah. which is hard to do in 25 minutes in a talk on a stage or <laughs> in 55 minutes in a podcast, the mm-hmm. full gospel proclamation. But to understand that, yes, there's this, we're mm-hmm. living in this already not yet paradox where some are healed yeah. and some aren't, that Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. And yet sometimes what we ask, we don't receive. And yep. as the, the Lord says, come to me, all who are weak and heavy burden, mm-hmm. and I will give you rest and consolation. And yet sometimes we do go through dark nights and desolation. And yep. it's just this, mm-hmm. this, this paradox of the both and. It's not an either or. Well, and, and we don't have to give up on one or the other. And you, you guys have heard me
0: say this to you guys as brothers a ton of times. And it's something I've shared on the podcast a couple of times. But I, I don't think you have to sacrifice one or the other, even in the ways that God is inviting us into virtue. Like like two of the theological virtues of faith and hope, like we should have faith every day that, what, that, that God wants good things for us. Yeah. So every day I'm gonna tell him what I want, presuming it to be a good thing for me, right? Like, <laughs> and I have faith that he's gonna come through right then and bring it. And if he doesn't, I can hold on to his goodness by saying, and Lord, if you don't, I know it's only going to be better later. That's the hope that comes in. And that allows me to stay in love of yep. him. Then the theological virtues are working together. And what I, what I don't like sometimes is just that we, we do, in the name of refuting the other side, take our side as wholesale. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like, does the Lord will healing? Yes, for sure. Now, is it in this very moment? I don't know. Mm-hmm. because there's, there's mystery there in this person's life, in my life. I know that he's going to heal this person in his absolute will in the time that this person is in relationship with him without question. And therefore that gives me the impetus to pray right now, because it very well might be right now and it might be later and it might be an eternity. And I I don't think you have to sacrifice that and, and sacrifice the zeal for healing. I yeah. don't, I don't think you have to, I don't think you have to sell one out to Em, embrace and
1: appreciate the other. And to be persistent in those prayers for healing 100%. or for deliverance or for whatever it is, because in 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 our I mean, Jesus, of course, in his own parables teaches yeah. us to be persistent in prayer. Yes. You see Jesus in the garden persistent prayer. He asks the Father three times for the cup to pass, right? Yeah. And he surrenders himself to the Father's answer to his prayer. Mm-hmm. No, right? But he he he's persistent. Even Paul he says that he has a thorn in his side to, right. and it was given to him to keep him humble. But he says three times, I asked the Lord to take this away from me. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there was a persistence in the early church to, to cry out to God for healing and to press in of and to, to go after it. And I think yeah. sometimes we, we fall prey that like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to persist in prayer and I don't want to be persistent in prayer because uh, it, if I asked and it didn't go away, well then God must want me just to go into redemptive suffering. But it's this both in reality that I can actually be asking for greater healing and offering up my current circumstances in union with the heart of Jesus yeah. in that moment. And that I, there's the both end yeah. happening that I'm crying out for the more of God and I'm resting with gratitude of where I am right now with God. Yeah.
0: And, and my only thing is that's the, that's the, like on the other end, that's the, that's the very mentality that would take us out of the church. Like, if I went to Mass one Sunday and was like, I really didn't experience God here, so maybe He doesn't want me going to Mass.
1: Yeah. Like, it's the same argument. It's yeah. the same
0: principle, and the principle's wrong. It's that, no, I know God wills healing for me in my life. Is it right now? I'm not sure. And we can even be certain that at some points He doesn't will temporal healing because you're going to die. Yep. So, there's at some point you are going to die in the flesh. Mm -hmm. and he's going to raise you again on the last day in the resurrection of the body. And it's going to be amazing, but he also is the resurrection in the life. And so he very well might take away that once thought to be definitive life ending disease.
1: Well, and even this paradox of desolation and consolation that you're talking about, Aaron, is that the, we, I mean, it, the end game yeah. of the good news. The end game is healing, and the end game is eternal consolation. Yeah, there's right be that, no desolation in heaven. Yeah, there's no <laughs> desolation in heaven. There's uh, like it's every tear of desolation. Yeah, every tear will be so. Of course, we want to preach the end game, of right? Course. And we want to rest in this tension that okay, this is the already not yet. So like we we can sh- like this is the Lord's desire for us. It's eternal rest with Him, eternal consolation, eternal joy. And yet we have to understand that sometimes the Lord uses these seasons of desolation to draw us deeper into his own heart that leads us to that eternal reality.
2: Yeah. So so playing devil's advocate. So how do how do we then reconcile that with the fact that through thousands of years of church history we have this consistent messaging of the value of suffering and the or and the life of poverty. And like what we're suggesting is that is that the gospel presents a message that's different maybe from what we've interpreted through the lives of the saints.
0: I always think I always think that like suffering is accepted, not sought after. Now, again, we have to differentiate this. because We obviously fast and do different things, Mm -hmm. but to hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not. It's, it's, I, I think that like, I, I contend for healing. I contend for the already. If the already doesn't come, I accept in God's providence and his love, the not yet. But, but I am constantly pursuing the kingdom of God because it's at hand that it just, that never has to leave you for you to accept that. And in the case that that doesn't come through, I can still use my suffering unto the works of the Lord. I don't think that that's that outside of the bounds of easy rationale and easy practice. Like it is simply a every day, like it, some of the suffering I've experienced, right? Like some of like the physical health stuff, like I'll wake up and just be like, Lord, I want this healed today. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes in varying measures, I will have like little breakthroughs, and it's amazing. It's like, whoa, I functioned so differently mm-hmm. today. And some days I won't. But then in those days, I'm like, well, I offer this unto your purposes. But it doesn't mean that because I offer them unto His purposes that day, that the next day by default I just say these are the only ways for you to work yeah. out your purposes, right? I think because yeah. you don't have to sacrifice. Then it doesn't give away our two thousand years of rich history of suffering, and it doesn't take away. The 2,000 years of rich history of resurrection and healing
1: history, and yeah.
0: miraculous reality.
1: I, I do think there is an element, though, because that works for a lot of the temporal sufferings of like, oh, so I've got something going on in my body that I want that is curable, is healable. <laughs> but I think there is something just about suffering in of itself that Jesus, he redeemed suffering in, in that the suffering suffering has now become a means by which I become Christ. Yeah, and good, so, good so yeah. if, if the, the goal of the gospel is the transformation of the person to become Christ, suffering is, is one means yeah. by which I become, I put on Christ because he himself took on the suffering of, of humanity. And so in order to become Christ, and this is what the mystics are suggesting, in order to become a, 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 that transformed person, to be holy as, yeah. as Jesus is holy, in order to become Christ, the only way to become Christ is through the cross. So the only way to receive resurrection is through the cross. And so the, a gospel yeah, yeah. void of this idea that, wow, the cross is going to lead me to the, uh, to the resurrection. Now, there's yeah. different means by which I go into the cross. Sometimes I receive the cross through desolation of prayer. Sometimes I receive the cross through desolation in my physical life through ailment and suffering mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the physical temporal sense. Sometimes I receive the cross through suffering and relationships. And, uh, and Jesus received yeah. that in yeah. all ways, right? Yeah. And through the interior life, through the, the, the life with um, his friends, through the physical reality. But it's, it's yeah. that process that sanctifies me that makes me mm-hmm. like Jesus. Okay. Definitely. Definitely.
0: And I, I think, man, it, it's just the like, It's it's nuanced in the sense that again to your point Dan there's there's different types of suffering we're going to experience. I would say that in my life as I've gotten to know Jesus more and fallen more in love with Him, one of my deepest sufferings is that my heart breaks that I don't know if all of these people are going to be saved. Like like that's a huge suffering in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I literally was leaving a coffee shop today talking to a brother, and as I'm talking to him, I'm just like, I I don't know if we're going to get all these people. Like just look around. Like we're in Columbus, you know. It's like. There's an ache there that, like, because we live in a fallen world, suffering yeah. accompanies a world that's not perfected, mm. of course, and that's why Jesus entered into the world to take on the suffering because the suffering was in the world, right? And then, and then his goal is to raise us back up to heavenly places with him. So, yeah, I, again, it's a, I love it's that. A both and. But
1: well, and the cool thing about you asking for whatever, right, in prayer, not you specifically, no, sure, but us, sure. uh, like, if if there is a physical ailment that we're asking for healing from. The, the Lord is either going to heal or he's not going to heal in that moment, right? And mm-hmm. so that what happens is the, if the end game is healing and I don't get my healing, well, then I get angry at God and I walk <laughs> away from him. Yep. But if the end game is relationship, and this is the difference between the gospel and the prosperity gospel. If the end game is relationship, no matter what, my prayer leads to deeper relationship. Because if I ask for healing and God heals, I experience the Father's love. And I'm drawn into his heart. If I ask for healing and I don't get healed, I experience Jesus's suffering, and I, I partner with him in his own redeeming work of suffering, and I get transformed and I go into his heart, and I get closer to him. Yep. So ultimately, either it's wherever my end game is. If my end game is Jesus, my prayers are good. He's got to ask, no matter what the prayer, like I can't give a bad prayer. To a loving God, right? And I think that's why he why he says, ask, and you're gonna receive. Like if you ask anything of me in my name, yep. I'm gonna give it to you. Why? Because your end game is union with me. And when you ask with whatever it is. You know, it, what you're it, actually asking for is relationship with yeah him, and That'll come through. And it's the process of asking yeah. mm-hmm. that gives, this is why Ignatius of Loyola, he's like the, the content of prayer is your thoughts, feelings, and desires. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what your thoughts, feelings, and desires are. If they're, if you think they're bad thoughts, feelings, and desires, that's your content of prayer. God, why do I have these bad thoughts, feelings, and desires? Yeah. But if they're good, whatever they are, that's your content of prayer. And when you start bringing that to God in prayer, he takes all of those thoughts, feelings, and desires, and he, Brings you into union with his heart.
2: Catherine, a little bow on that. So, uh, one other way that I just invite us to think about in context is this prior, prior to St. Ignatius saying that, that thought had never been communicated to the church, or at least articulated in the same way. Mm-hmm. So now we look on the past and we see that as an as a incredible foundation for spiritual discernment, right? Yep. At the time that Ignatius wrote it, it was new. Somewhat new. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. He was explaining it, helping them
1: understand. Yeah, we, we it was have, groundbreaking. We have
2: a, we have a fear of communicating something new mm-hmm. when it may be a development on something that's been said before. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that's that's how theology is developed, right? Yeah. Uh, and if, if we want solid found foundation for that, solid footing on which to stand, I mean, just look to the teachings of our of our popes in the last uh, you know four generations, right? How we, how we see this, this pervasive call to a new evangelization, to a new Pentecost. Like, should it be a surprise that maybe, in fact, the Holy Spirit is pouring out his gifts in a new way? Yeah. And we need to newly articulate uh, an eternal theology yeah. so that we can understand for a new generation what, what the Lord is doing.
1: That's beautiful Aaron and I mean John Paul II's literal words about the new evangelization was to provide new expressions yep, so not sure. a new gospel but new expressions and new methodology and new ardor mm-hmm. and these it, it is it, and I think sometimes in, we're, we're afraid of these new expressions because mm-hmm. they may be the sidelines you know and yeah. so uh, and it, it, it scares yeah. us well, and, and it's okay
2: yeah. if, if a new expression of understanding the faith uh, conflicts with an, with a previous expression. That's an invitation to explore. Well, yeah. actually, well, it's, yeah. Oh,
1: tension. Yep. It's yep. the tension well, that we live in.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and a lot of times, I mean, you can see this in even like the doctors of the church and things. They're giving two sides of the same coin. What can seem contradictory at the beginning is actually brought to, to beautiful um, completion and unity in Jesus. Yeah. Like Jesus is in and of himself a paradox he is a fully God and fully man. That is not comprehensible. Like that's difficult to understand. So so if you had someone write, like just, just presume it, right? You had someone write a paper on how God was um, in Jesus, was fully man. And then the other one, they said, he's fully God. And when you would read those two papers, you'd be like, well, he can't be. Mm -hmm, Nope, mm -hmm. you'd be anathema, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're wrong. Like he is actually both of those things. They seem contradictory on their face, but they're brought to beautiful harmony in Jesus that that is constantly done in our faith the other thing too is I, I love what you're saying about the new Pentecost Aaron and like that is going to come with new revelation on old truths of course it is and this happens all of the time when breakdown of society happens think about the great schism on the other side of the great schism Francis and Dominic would you say there was new revelation to Francis and Dominic yes on an old theology that was true from the beginning? Yes. Okay, what happens in the 1500s? The, the Protestant Reformation becomes a revolt where it's no longer to reform the church, but it's to leave and to continue the protest, yep. right? Well, what happens on the other side of that? Ignatius of Loyola, yep. who then states things that are new revelation from a place, well, also the Council of Trent, but we don't even have time to go into all the <laughs> things. But, like, but then, then think about now, though, it's a mass exodus from belief at all. Yep. And of course, there's going to be new revelation on, no,
2: I need
1: you to bring. The stakes
2: have never been higher. Correct. Well, we're living post-enlightenment, Yes,
1: like in the secular world, like never before. Yeah. And it's. And it's, 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 uh, I love how you're saying that a uh, new revelation, Brad, it's the, you know, of course there's Jesus Christ is the, the full, final revelation, of the fullness of the revelation. But are we going to say it, we it, know it, Jesus Christ but it, fully at any point? It's a new unpacking of Jesus <laughs> yeah, of that has been revealed to us He's infinite. with
0: these new expressions. Oh, that's my least favorite pushback ever. And I, I love that you stated it because, because a lot of times it'll be when you say something like new revelation on an old theology, that's been ever ancient and is always ever new, like you don't you don't trade the ever new for the ever ancient. Yeah. Yes, yes, Jesus is the fullness of the revelation of God. But if you're gonna sit before me and tell me you know everything about Jesus, <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. And so, of course, over time he's he's unpacking in these new ways for the generation that needs saved a way of articulating him that brings them to himself that's not outside the bounds yeah. of what the church has set so beautifully, but is in the field of play. Like, I just, yes, like you don't have to, you just don't have to sacrifice something there. It's it's both of those things.
1: Okay. It's been promised and it will be delivered. We talked about the five <laughs> blessings of flow from the good news. This was in the first episode. We teased you with it. We didn't give it to you. And now in this this episode, we've teased you with it. Now we're going to give it to you. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm just, we're going to call these five blessings of flow forth from the good news of the gospel they're not the five blessings because it there's a definitive there's a definitive so many five. blessings of flow. Yes. So if you don't like the words we're using right now, you can leave a comment um, because we're just going to share some of the good things. This is good news, and I think it, some sometimes we can fall prey in running away from the prosperity gospel. We can fall prey that we actually don't even preach the good news of the gospel. That the I was listening to a, a message the other day from a preacher, and he, he was. He was preaching because I was researching, you know, a little bit about the prosperity mm-hmm. gospel. He's preaching against the prosperity gospel, but he's preaching against the prosperity gospel. When he got to the gospel and when he presented the gospel, it was just so miserable. There was no goodness to it. There it was as if his hostility towards the proclamation of the pros, the the false doctrine of the prosperity gospel led to this very. Um, an anti-gospel as well, that, yeah. that mm-hmm. Jesus did not want goodness for us, right? And that our lives were meant to be just marked with nothing more than, than suffering until we died. And yep. so we're going to talk about these five blessings, that flow forth. The first one is forgiveness and mercy. Forgiveness and mercy. And I have these two side by side because I think it's beautiful that in Christ Jesus, through the power of the cross, we not only receive forgiveness from our sins, but we also receive it just this incredible gift of God's mercy that I am washed clean from my sins in baptism, and Jesus mm-hmm. Christ has made me white as snow and has restored me into union with the Father. And yet, there are still moments in my life where I fall short of the glory of God, lots, and I, lots of moments, <laughs> yeah. And I and I fail to I, I fail to overcome the sins that Christ mm-hmm. is striving to give me grace to overcome. And mm-hmm. in those moments of man, I'm yeah. trying to overcome the sin. I'm trying to overcome the sin. I'm trying to overcome the sin. There's mercy mm-hmm. and there's patience and, and, and in that there's hope and joy. Yeah. What do you guys think? I, I love,
2: I, I was given a presentation for Divine Mercy Sunday a couple of years ago and uh, doing some research, the, the phrase was, was spoken that mercy is the love of Jesus that is available to those precisely who do not deserve it, that it's on mm-hmm. account of the fact that we have fallen, that in truly in embracing the mystery of the cross, that Jesus is all the more drawn to to embrace us, right? That that you're never too far gone. That you're never too far lost. Like this is a message of hope.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Yeah, I I was I was um, just thinking about this when you were saying that, Dan. Like anyone listening today, right? So us at this table, any Catholic listening, Protestant, any um, agnostic, like anyone listening today that just heard uh, this as one of the the blessings, one of the benefits of believing in the gospel, like. I think there's a uniform experience that all of us have, which is this. When we look back at our lives, there's a circumstance or a situation or a relationship that we wish we would have handled differently, yeah. that we could have handled it with more um, affection or more compassion or more understanding or less defensiveness or less pride or whatever we want to call it. We can look back and say, you know, if I actually analyze my life, there are a number of circumstances that I can look at and say... That should have been handled better. Mm -hmm. That's why believing in the gospel is so good is because those can actually be handled better by him. When I give them to him, that's forgiveness and mercy. It's like, he's like, Jesus knows, not not Jesus. We should elevate that to just the Trinity. God himself knows no past and future. He knows present. So when I offer him something from the past that happened, he's like, I'm there too, Mm -hmm. right? And I'll wash over that with my mercy. Not because I merited it, but because he merited it. On the cross and through the resurrection and that forgiveness and mercy that comes from the passion, from the gospel, from the good news of Jesus's salvific work is necessary for all of us. And and that's why when we can look back at our lives, no matter where we're coming from and see that, of course, it's a benefit. It's like, yes, that's the exact thing I'd love to be true.
1: And you could you know you could imagine a christian's life that uses this as a transactional experience where it's like yes. oh, okay i'm going to pr- present the gospel where i can sin all that i want and then i'm going to just repent right at the end right mm-hmm. and the uh, sin of presumption if you will yeah. that god's going to forgive me either way and so you're just it's a transactional which is the same flaw of the prosperity gospel whereas in the waters of bethesda the story of bethesda right the 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 story is so powerful because the the word mm-hmm. the name Bethesda's house of mercy house house yep. of grace and the disgrace go to this house of grace or this house of mercy and Jesus is saying you don't have to get into the water Bethesda yeah I am Bethesda and I'm coming to you that Jesus mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the mercy that you seek so once again the end game. Is Jesus mm-hmm. that when when we're struggling with our sin and the power of the cross is I find freedom from my sin. And as I struggle with my sin, I rest in mercy himself, who is Jesus. And in mercy, there is no self-condemnation. Mm-hmm. And in mercy, there is no shame. There, there, there is hope and there is rest that Jesus Christ loves me mm-hmm. in relationship with him. Yeah, Dan, like what you're saying
0: there though is exactly what uh at least at the beginning of what you are saying is exactly what Paul was speaking to, to the Romans. Like when, when he was preaching forgiveness and mercy and he's like, what then shall we say? Shall we persist in sin that grace may abound? <laughs> of course not. No, obviously not. Obviously <laughs> not. It's actually an understanding forgiveness and mercy truly that I want to get rid of sin Yeah, because I realize how gracious he's being to me. And I want to be that gracious in response to him. Like, like, Paul was saying the exact thing that your pushback was. It's like, well, of course, someone could abuse this, but that precisely means they don't understand the blessing and benefit it is. Right. And then Paul's saying that it's in Romans 6.
1: I love what Paul's like, of course not. Of course not. What
0: do you think? Yeah. Like, yes. Like, go ahead and you can try to play that angle, but you'll realize that you didn't actually receive the grace that you were seeking. And it, and it
2: really so. stinks when you die like 10 minutes early.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. But it anyway. does have flawed consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, the second blessing or the second benefit of the good news of the gospel is that we receive righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so, what, where does this come from? This comes from Paul's uh, letter to the Romans. He says, The kingdom of God, and Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God's at hand. The kingdom of God, he says, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I love this because Paul's literally saying the kingdom of God isn't this false doctrine of uh, or this false gospel of prosperity. It's not eating and drinking. It's not just wealth and abundance and treasure and everything goes right for you. The kingdom of God isn't doing whatever you want, however you want. The kingdom of God isn't eating and drinking. It's, it's actually the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. That when we discover relationship with the Holy Spirit, what we discover is righteousness. That we are made in right order with God. Righteousness is is this idea that I'm able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to live in right order with God and man, mm-hmm. and to follow God's commandments, so that my I'm under right relationship with my Creator. Yeah. What like that's so good. It's such a blessing that comes from the gospel. That uh, and then peace and joy. Like what are the the greatest pains and hurts in our world today—it's like the in the world today, people—they're they're plagued with anxiety and depression, with fear and loneliness. Mm-hmm. And w- what overcomes anxiety, depression, and fear and loneliness? Peace, peace and, and joy. Yeah, yeah the antidote. And that mm-hmm. the, the the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has come to mm-hmm. give us righteousness, peace, and joy. Mm-hmm.
2: Amen. Amen. It's uh, it's good to keep it in context too, because as you know, it's it's possible that one could have plenty to eat and drink, and still possess righteousness, peace, and joy by keeping our focus on the Lord. And it's also possible that someone could exist in a place of material want and mm-hmm. still possess righteousness, peace, and joy mm-hmm. by keeping our focus on the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's just a reaffirmation of the fact that yeah, with Jesus at our center, mm. it it just it changes our uh, it changes our understanding of what's the most important. It's yeah. right orientation
0: yeah it's right orientation, which we talk about all the time right is that like yeah, sure like like I, it just feels like what Paul's saying there right is like yeah, eating and drinking like let's let's set those things aside these things that that, that you're gonna be um, in the flesh prone to pursue. Let's just set those to the side for a moment and ask the real question which is do you have righteousness, peace and joy yeah. in the Holy Spirit because if you have those, no matter what you're eating and drinking, you will have what you really need and that's like that's that's where i think you were talking so beautifully earlier dan like relationship matters because when i when i recognize that jesus wants relationship with me i realize that he gives me all of himself yeah and that makes me realize that i want to give him all of me which makes me want to be whole and when i realize that i want to be whole i'll recognize the areas where i'm not whole and that's where i plead to him for healing because he's both the beginning and the end he starts that healing he shows me that mirror he shows me how i'm not whole he helps me become whole so I can give myself to him wholly. Yeah. Right. Um, and and I, I think to that degree, that focus is what he's getting at.
1: Well, and Jesus, the I mean, part of the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? That he mm-hmm. gives us this gift and I can use the gift of the Holy Spirit in a transactional way or in a relational way. And a transactional way is not going to benefit myself. Right. And it's a, it would be a false Christianity. But when I live in relationship with the Holy Spirit, Aaron, you were sharing about this off-air earlier, It the fruit comes forth from it. Yeah. The, the, the fruit of a relationship with God and a mm-hmm. relationship with the living God, the person of the Holy Spirit, is peace and joy. There's right. lots of fruit, right? Yeah, Paul right. talks about yeah. peace, joy, love, gentleness, generosity, mm-hmm. faithfulness, mm-hmm. patience, kindness, and self-control that the naturally coming forth from this relationship, mm-hmm. there's certain blessings that, get, that, that come out of my life from that. Mm-hmm. It,
2: can I communicate too just the, the evangelistic um, necessity of mm-hmm. this and, and how effective this is even in our work at Damascus that we see so many times as people come to this campus, the, the witness and testimony that the, you know, the minute I stepped on this campus, I saw the, the authentic joy expressed in the hearts of your missionaries yeah. and it, it broke something. It transformed something in me. And you see that move from anxiety to to peace, from from depression to joy, mm-hmm. uh, over the course of over the course of a three-day retreat or a five-day camp here. Mm-hmm. and it, it's truly just a, a beautiful expression of what happens when you're when you're in tune and connected with the Holy spirit. Yeah, that's yeah. right,
0: because those those seeds that are contained in the fruit, right? Like that's what we've long called in the church impartation, that those those seeds from that fruit fall, right? Like when Jesus walks through the wall into the upper room and he says, peace be with you, all of a sudden the anxiety yeah. in the room met the peace of Christ. And the, those those seeds that came from that fruit Good. fell into the apostles' hearts. And the same thing happens with joy. And the same thing happens with righteousness.
1: And it's possible. And I think because, of course, in, in experience, people still deal with the tension, right? So it is sure. possible that I am living in right relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yet I still struggle with anxieties in life. Mm-hmm. Yet there's something about even in those moments that when I'm suffering through something in life, I still find consolation in Christ, right? That That's right. That, that it's that relationship Good. that I'm not suffering alone. And and they may not describe that as peace but to know in relationship with Christ even in my if you will earthly diagnosis <laughs> of anxiety mm-hmm. I have peace in knowing that I'm not alone and yes, there's that's, great that's there's great that's the peace that only the kingdom can bring mm-hmm. that that because Jesus is the kingdom and so when I know that he is here I may still struggle with an earthly reality of anxiety yet I have this transcendent peace
0: of knowing that God is here. And there's no permission to cling to that though. In the same way that, yes, I know that Jesus is there with me, but I don't cling to that anxiety as if I now need it for relationship with him.
2: Mm-hmm. And Jesus,
0: mm-hmm. he, he gives us real insight into this after the resurrection, when Mary Magdalene says, Raboni and like comes and, and hugs him. And he says, uh, don't, don't cling to me because I have not yet ascended to the father right? He had more for her to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's something in that about Jesus giving us the understanding that we don't want to cling to the things that are just here on the earth because they haven't yet ascended to the father. And so it, it, it can be both mm-hmm. and, right? Yeah. That Jesus is with me in my anxiety, but I no longer um, tell myself that that anxiety is needed for a relationship with Jesus. He's with me in it. He's my deliverer from it. And he's everything in between. Amen. And that is the gift of what we're talking about. When you embrace the fullness of the gospel, he gets you coming and going. There's no escape. (laughs) There's no escape from his love. It's, it's, it's the best news ever. Yeah. It's the best news
1: ever. And that may be one person's experience and reality. And another person's experience and reality may be that when they give their life over to Jesus, Literally, anxiety just yes, disappears. Yes. And and we've seen it countless times that people are just healed in the moment, right? And they're so like that is a that is good news. Yeah. Well, like, and part of How can we th- not be excited yes. about Jesus Christ healing someone when they That's offer right. their lives as a living sacrifice? It's that repentance leads to the outpouring of the kingdom. Well, and it's relationship. Sorry, like it's just like we keep going
0: back to it, but like the Lord broke through in that person's life to alleviate anxiety from their life for the sake of relationship. If something continues to exist in our life, he's doing that so we can continue relationship. Like he's He's not looking at us to look at the person next to us and say, wonder what their process is like. That's different than mine. Does that mean they're loved more than me? Am I loved more than them? It's like, no, Jesus is doing everything right now for your good. Mm-hmm. Amen. Focus in on him and let him be everything in between. And, and if we get out of this comparison game, we can actually be with him, which allows us to see it through to relation. All
1: right. We have three more blessings. We're going we're gonna to dive into these. Okay. okay the third it. one, wisdom for a well-ordered life. And this is kind of a natural one that I yeah. think sometimes we, um, so when you give your life to Jesus, typically, and you live your life for Jesus and you live your life in the bounds of the the law that Jesus has given the church and you live your life in virtue, typically good things happen in your life. Like when you treat people with respect and honor and dignity and charity, people tend to give you promotions at work. It just, it is what happens, right? And, or if, if you love your spouse well, and you're both self-sacrificial, typically your marriage is in good shape. Or if you have a healthy work-life career balance typically you have good relationship with your children and so there are certain things that flow forth in a well ordered life yeah. that good things can happen if i have good discipline around my finances and i spend my my money wisely and prudently and i don't like rack up debt a lot of times financially i can prosper because i'm using the financial resources as a good steward and so have you guys seen this like it's that there are good things that flow forth from a well-ordered life, natural gifts that flow
2: from supernatural gifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yes, it's not a it's not a hard and fast rule. You know, you used the example of Jeremiah. Sometimes you do all the right things and you end up living a terrible <laughs> life. Uh, but yeah, I'd say I'd say consistently. I mean, it it just it just so happens to align that that so much of like the uh, the leadership formation coaching that's so prevalent in today's culture, mm-hmm. it's it's based on principles of Christianity, yep. right? Because, because the law that's true for all people is still true for all people, <laughs> yeah. regardless of whether you call it Jesus or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the fruit that's born from a, from a well-ordered life, it, it flows from relationship for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a well-ordered life is, is Jesus in
0: spot number one always, right? Like Jesus is always the primary priority. And, and then what happens from there is all of the things follow suit. And from that, obviously blessings and benefits come in a variety of ways. But like, for example, like in my marriage, right. With Nina, like if, if I love Jesus more than I love Nina, I love Nina more than I would if she was in (laughs) first place, you know? And, um, and that that's true uniformly is that when Jesus is in the first priority place, or I guess, place of first priority, he, he
1: elevates everything. Oh, and, as and, and Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and, it's, and, and all these righteousness, other things yeah. will be given unto That's right. you. Yeah. And th- I think that is the kingdom and righteousness, that life leads to good things most often, right? Yeah. And so it's not the norm. I mean, it's not the, uh, it's not that uh, if I'm living my life for Jesus and sharing the gospel and witnessing the gospel, I'm never going to get fired for mm-hmm. the public witness I'm giving. Yes, persecution will come and, and and our heart is drawn into the heart of God when persecution comes. But natural good things happen from the gospel. And if you don't get any of those good things temporally, you're going
0: to get heaven, which is better than all of them anyway. (laughs) And so it's like, again, got us coming or going.
1: All right. The last two, the fourthly we're clothed with power, right? That Jesus promises us uh, after the resurrection (laughs) that you will be clothed with power from on high. He says Mm -hmm. in Acts chapter one, um, do not like you will receive power when the Holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And so There is the part of the good news is that I receive the power of the Holy Mm. Spirit and I am clothed with power. I put on Christ. And Mm. when I'm clothed with power and when I'm put on Christ, things happen, right? Like, what do you think that blessing is? What, when, when I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, what happens in my life?
2: Uh, the, The big distinction that comes to my mind, Dan, and we talked about it earlier is, is that, I I'm automatically moved from a place of self-centeredness to a place of other-centeredness, right? That the church says that the gifts are given for the upbuilding of the church. Mm. That that when I receive power, like I mm-hmm. receive power for the sake of transformation, mm-hmm. that we're that we're made into the image and likeness of Christ. So uh yeah, it's it's the exercise of the evangelistic gifts. It's the exercise mm-hmm. of of the of the Isaiah gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? That that we come into a place of realizing that I'm called to interact with this world as if I believed Jesus when he said that his will would be that the kingdom would come to earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right? That that this is this is the lifestyle we're supposed to live. And mm-hmm. if we believe the teaching of Jesus, he says, "Believe in me and you'll do the works that I do and do greater works than these." Like mm-hmm. what are we sitting on our butts waiting for? Yeah,
0: that's right. And if if Jesus through his church has given us two universal calls, the universal call to holiness yeah. and the universal call to mission, the power that he's clothing us with are unto those two ends. That yeah. he's making me holy because of the power of the Holy Spirit to transform me
1: from death into life. That's why I call him the sanctifier, from sinners he's to saints. Sanctifying,
0: yes, exactly. And then, well, and he's also he's also redeeming, a speaking a better word, and defending me over the lies that I've bought over time. That's why he's the Paraclete. He's the defense attorney. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there and he's saying that prosecution no longer stands. Right, like that's an upbuilding of holiness within me in the Holy Spirit. That's a power that comes from His presence. Also, under to Aaron's point, it's like. Yeah, people around me will be transformed when I'm living of the power of the spirit, when I'm living of in the power of the spirit rather. But like, yeah, it's the Lord, and you've mentioned this a time or two, Dan, like if he's gonna give us a call and he has given us the two universal calls through his church to holiness and mission, if he's gonna give us those calls and he's a good God, which we know him to be, he's gonna give us the tools, the tool to be able to achieve those two calls. And that's what he does in the Holy Spirit.
1: I love, I mean, I've just, my prayer has been the father gives us the gift of the Holy spirit, not just the gifts of the Holy spirit and the gift of the Holy spirit is the greatest gift. Like that he, the Holy spirit, the person, the third person of the Holy Trinity is the gift. And Mm -hmm. so we get, we get lopsided when once Mm -hmm. again, we're using it transactional, Mm -hmm. right? And it, it, it can become, if you will, a false gospel when I'm going after just the gifts And I miss the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. And Mm -hmm. who is the Holy Spirit? He's the bond of love between the father and the son, that the love that the father has for the son and the son has for the father that eternally processing forth from them is the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, oh, I've received that love. Like it's, and he lives in me. And like, like what an incredible gift. (laughs) And then when I dwell on that and meditate on that and, Come to understand that it fills me with love for his people, which allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifested in my life. It's just it's it it is it's just too good to be true. Yeah. The gospel is like, oh what? and then the last one, and I think this is actually my favorite for today, um at least in my prayer from today. it's um it he gives us a share in his sufferings and his own glory. So this comes from mm-hmm. Romans eight, where saint paul says in in verse seventeen, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. yes, if indeed we share in his sufferings, mm-hmm. then we may also share in his glory and the great gift of the gospel is that it's not just that I share in his glory and I will share in his glory. it's not just that I share in God's own divine, if you will, heavenly prosperity, it's that I also get to share in his sufferings, and there's something this is, this is why the gospel was so good, is that Jesus Christ came and he transformed suffering. That now, because of Jesus, suffering is redeemed. And when I am suffering, I'm not suffering alone. I'm not suffering in some vacuum of like, wow, this, this is horrible. Like before Jesus, suffering was just horrible. Mm-hmm. After Jesus, suffering has a redemptive nature to it that I'm actually becoming Jesus mm-hmm. by sharing in his sufferings. This sharing his suffering is actually a blessing when it's united with him because now through suffering, I'm getting Jesus' heart, I'm getting Jesus' mm-hmm. life. How have you guys experienced that? It's, it's the redemption of the irredeemable right? It's,
2: it's the fact that, that Jesus takes unto himself, the one thing that we had that we couldn't, that we couldn't give in any other way. Mm -hmm. I was, I was just teaching on the, the miracle of, of Good Friday to our missionaries. And the, the idea that like, I share, I share in the sufferings of Christ and then in the cross, I'm actually invited to unite them Mm -hmm. in such a way that like, that, the weight that I carried can now take upon itself like that same um, mm-hmm. the same joy of redemption. Like the same, it, it can participate in redemption through the connection that we have in intimacy when we come into, into alignment with him.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, um,
0: I think the way I experienced it is just in the invitation that he gives to me, which is the same invitation that he gave to the apostles. It's come with me through the cross to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Come with me through the cross to the resurrection, not divorcing the two. We're going to walk this entire road together all the way through. And, um, and I've experienced it in so many ways in my life, going through different crosses that have led to resurrections. And there's some parts of my life where I'm still walking up Calvary. There's some parts of my life where I'm at the foot of the cross. There's some parts of my life that have been resurrected. And it's just this constant... Uh, exchange with him where I see where I'm at along that road. And I ask him if I can accompany, him. you know, like the entire gospel can be summarized in come and see and go, mm-hmm. you know, like come and see what I've done and then go do as I've done, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and when we're partaking with him in that, we can teach other people how to do that, which is in and of itself evangelization. It's the sharing of the gospel. It, yep. It's the, it's the good news that Jesus has won another victory. And every time he takes me through the cross to another resurrection, it's another story for me of his victory. And that's another testimony for me unto evangelization. It's an opportunity for me to go out and say, I've been risen with Christ again. And he wants to do that for you. And I think that that's probably the most common way I experience it is in those little, I don't know, those different compartments of my life where it's like, oh, wow, you've brought resurrection there. Wow. I'm still, still kind of climbing with you here. Wow. I, we're actually just now getting condemned here we're just now realizing this let's let's um let's move forward together so
1: that that would be my answer that's awesome so just to kind of summarize right if what is the good news of the gospel the good news of the gospel is that jesus christ has freed us from our sin and he has allowed us to experience forgiveness and mercy the good news of the gospel is that in the holy spirit we experience the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. Mm-hmm. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ gives us the power to live a virtuous life and to follow the commandments. And that power leads to a well-ordered, holistic, good life, mm-hmm. goodness itself. The mm-hmm. good news of the gospel is that we've been clothed with power, the power from on high, and so that we're not alone. And that this power from on high enables us to live a life like Jesus, Mm -hmm. a life for others, freely given over for others, that as Jesus was healer, I can be healer. As Mm -hmm. Jesus was deliverer, I can be deliverer, that I can live the lifestyle of Jesus. And the good news of the gospel is that we are co-heirs to the kingdom. And as co-heirs, we share in his suffering so that we might also share in his glory. Mm -hmm. And Jesus has redeemed suffering so that we Draw closer into his own image and likeness and become more like him. And that leads us to his glory. And that's it, also the
0: very reason he brought in healing as well. Both of them lead on it, to him. It
1: just, it's insane. It, it, it is so beautiful. It, actually, if you're joining us, if this was your first episode, welcome to the, to the show. It's, a, it's a, a ride. Woo woo, giddy up. <laughs> um, the last three weeks have been really fun. A few weeks back, we hit on Good Friday and we really mm-hmm. tackled this understanding of the beauty of the cross and redemptive suffering. And then we looked at the prosperity gospel and why it was a false gospel and how the good news of the gospel actually leads to true and lasting life. And today we broke open these benefits of the good news, the blessings that flow forth from this. It's a, it, you can't present it in 30 seconds. It's mm-hmm. not a flash clip. But listening to all of these different messages, it allows mm-hmm. us to understand, wow, this is the already not yet. This is the tension that mm-hmm. we wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And this is good. God is so good. Let's close in prayer. Mm. Aaron, you want to close us? Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we pray
2: that these wouldn't be just words that we hear and digest and think about, Lord, but these would be an invitation to relationship and encounter with you. And God, as we embrace these realities in our lives, we would truly see things change. So, Jesus, I pray that anyone listening today, as they come to encounter you more fully, might truly enter into relationship with you that transforms in all of the ways that we've discussed here on the show and in ways that we haven't even thought of or dreamed. God, we pray that you would touch each and every one of our hearts, draw us into deeper connection with you, show us what it's like to live in relationship, and let us taste the fruit that you have won and that you desire to share. Mm -hmm. We pray this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. In the name of the the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. If this uh, episode or any of our podcast episodes have been encouraging to you, we encourage you just to invite people to join in and listen so that the gospel may be proclaimed and mission can be restored in our church again. God bless.